Please be seated. Some of you will have noticed that that reading was not the one printed in the bulletin. I don't get to say this very often, so I want to enjoy it. That was not Tim's mistake. <laughs> he read the correct reading for today. Thank you, Tim. David Moss, uh, one of our associates assisting today, uh, is a pastoral psychotherapist uh, and priest, and he published a paper in, the May of, in May of 2003, which was republished following the Charleston murders, and he was kind enough to share it with me. It's, it's, it was in an academic journal, and it was about the cancer of white supremacy and how those beliefs get passed from generation to generation. He called the paper Toxic Handshake. And in it, he recalls uh, being a young boy visiting his grandfather in uh, Edina, Missouri, and participating in an Independence Day parade, dressed as a cowboy, scary thought, but anyway, that's true, on a new pony. And as they got in line for the procession, a group of about six a rather belligerent, uh, whiskey-smelling clansmen got in line ahead of them. And one of them started sort of joshing and engaging David and at one point stuck out his hand and David, being well-mannered and well-brought up, uh, took his hand and shook his hand. And here's what he wrote about it. Instantly, I was embarrassed. To be more specific, that handshake made me feel dirty, which did not make sense to me. I was well turned out that day and was an active boy, typically undeterred by dirt or mud. But this was not an awareness of being physically soiled, as if he'd spit in my hand. It was internal. I felt unclean or impure. This was confusing because I had never associated handshakes with insult or with shame. I'd never associated handshakes with insult or shame. And there it is, a description of one sense of what it's like to feel shame. This is not about guilt. Guilt is when I feel I've done something bad. This is shame. Shame is when I feel I am bad. I feel unclean or impure or dirty. Shame is feeling unworthy, being driven by the anxiety that I will be found out or I will be seen to fail. Shame is a sort of umbrella term for something that eats at our souls and makes it very, very hard for us to hear or understand or accept the Gospels. The good news that every one of us are utterly, completely beloved. By God's grace, beloved, warts and all. Some of you will be familiar with Brene Brown. She's a popular teacher and speaker these days on shame. You can check out her TED Talks or a book called The Gift of Imperfection. And she believes that the less we talk about shame, the more power it has in our lives, and that shame affects at some level, at certain times, every single one of us. Shame is often at the root of our angry and violent and revengeful responses in life, our self-justifying rage at those who have hurt us, perhaps, even when we don't know it. The feeling that we are somehow 
unworthy of love and that others are being loved is the root of so much that we justify in our lives that is just ugly. Listen again to the debate about flags and ask yourself, is unacknowledged shame at play anywhere in here for anyone? Or listen again to discussions of income inequality and ask if unacknowledged shame could not be part of that conversation at some point. Shame is not rational. And it's just about every one of us is subject to it at some level and at some point in our lives. At worst, it prevents us, shame prevents us from accepting the sheer grace of the gospel. I bring this up because I'm certain that most of us have not yet fully heard the superlatives about God's grace in the letter to the Ephesians. Shame makes it really difficult to hear this letter, listen to the word, and listen to some of our own typical responses. God has blessed us, every one of us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing. Well, maybe the spiritual people, but not me. God chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. Yeah, right. God destined us for adoption as his children to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Well, I want God to want me. I, I can hope, but, but in Christ we have redemption the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, then why don't I feel forgiven? In Christ, you, when you'd heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Blah, blah. so easy not to hear. What must we do to get beyond shame-driven responses? Maybe there was some wisdom in the old style of preaching that wanted us to know the depths of our depravity and sin before we could know the riches of God's grace. The preaching that focused, that many of you left behind in your childhoods, that focused on telling us how terrible and bad we are so that we can begin to accept the offered forgiveness. I, however, don't believe that kind of preaching is necessary because we already, all of us, know that incohate sense of shame that most of us carry around already. The shame that makes it difficult, if not impossible, to really believe that we are beloved of God, really beloved of God. Because when we know we are loved, we can face anything. But when out of shame we hold that love at arm's length, we are a noisy gong clanging symbol. Shame is related to that anxiety that drives our desire to be the best partner, the best parent, the best child, the best student, and the shame is what becomes self-fulfilling prophecy when inevitably we fail. Shame can be at root of the root of that anxiety that comes when the world changes and we're not sure of our own place anymore and we're not sure we're okay. Church leaders all over this country are feeling like failures because as our culture changes from being largely Christian and we have to contend with everything from sports and shopping on Sundays to hearing that our religion no longer governs or holds sways the laws of our land without some persuasive reason, 
other than our saying, we believe we know what God wants. As the culture changes, so faith demands more commitment. And we, the church, have to change. The choice to follow Jesus is no longer something that can simply fit into the, in, or be a part of a well-lived life. In surveys, many of us will say we want friends, we want community, we want Bible study, we want a more spiritual experience, we want this and that. But in practice, for many of us, me included, we only want it if it's convenient. It doesn't really change the way we live. We want it when we can fit it in. That tension between what we think we ought to want and what we will actually give ourselves to, that gap is a source of shame. The antidote to shame, of course, is God's love, but only if we can receive it, only if we can hear it. We will never receive that love as long as our particular shame is a secret, a feeling that we cannot discuss even with our closest friends, even with our deepest, most intimate friends, because they will only say that we're being ridiculous. And of course, we have no basis for our feelings of shame because we're perfectly okay the way we are. And that's all true, but maybe if we're willing to risk a little ridicule, sharing some of our anxiety, some of our distress, some of our shame, then maybe our friends can name their own shame. And so all of us reduce its power in their lives as well. Brothers and sisters, if we can get in touch with and acknowledge and talk about our shame when we're aware of it, then we're on the road to being truly able to hear and receive and know God's love for us. And so in our customary silence, can we search our hearts and see if we don't carry some measure of shame in our lives? It's hard for those of us whose lives look so good to those around us. And if we do offer to God, then even that shame, that brokenness, that sense of being stuck, that anxiety that we might be discovered, that sense that we have failed. And then here again that we are, by grace, beloved children of God, that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight, beloved beautiful, worthy by grace of abundant life, ours for the receiving. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.